Welcome to Set for Life with Pastor Ray Jensen. You can find us at setforliferadio.com. Romans 10.9 says that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. So let's listen from God's Word, verse by verse, on how we can prepare for the coming of the Lord and Messiah Jesus, who died on the cross, so that you can be set for life. You'll be set for life if you give your heart and believe what He's done for you. You'll be set for life with the treasure stored up in heaven when you're through. You'll be set for Well, now we're in Galatians 5, and I'm going to call this message, Eagerly We Wait. I have somebody, a friend at the church, that prints out the bulletins every Sunday, and she asks me, what is the title of the message? She'll ask me on Saturday a day early so that she can print the bulletins out. So she wants to know what the title is going to be called. So Saturday, she asked, what is the title of your message for tomorrow? And my wife replied with, Eagerly We Wait. (laughs) And so. And so she thought she was just going to have to sit around and wait for the actual title. So a few hours passed and she's running out of time. And she asked again, what's the title of the message? And somebody else that knew the title had answered her eagerly, we wait. And so she didn't print any bulletins out. Well, it was Sunday morning. She has to know because she's got to get these things printed off. Is anybody got the title? And I wrote back eagerly, we wait. And so she's like, well, coming from you, is that the title? I said, yes, we've told you twice. (laughs) Eagerly we wait. So she started printing them up. It was hilarious. But anyway, we're in Galatians 5, and I'm calling it Eagerly We Wait. Just a little funny story behind that. But anyway, as a kid, though, I can remember back to when we were going to wait for company to come over. Typically, it was my aunt and uncle and cousins, would they'd come over to visit for the day. We'd clean up the house and get ready for their arrival. You know, we would vacuum and dust. Mom made a list and, you know, me and my siblings all had little things we had to do. But each of us, we had to clean up our own room. We had to get everything ready to expect their arrival. My sisters, they had uh, windows that would face the street where they could see the driveway real easy. And we'd be cleaning up and one of them would be looking and they would shout out, they're here. And that was kind of the the big call out down across through the house, down the hallway. They're here, you know, so because we were eagerly waiting. We were waiting for them to show up and to prove that we were waiting for them as as though we actually valued their arrival. We had to get our mess in order. So all the things that weren't right, we had to clean up and get it together. We had to clean up to show them that I value your coming over. I have great expectation. I have excitement. I eagerly we wait for you to come over and to prove that we were waiting as though we really valued it. We cleaned up our mess. In the previous chapter, Paul urged the Galatian Gentiles, the Galatian church, to get back in order for the Lord. Get out from underneath the works-based doctrine that you got to work to be saved. Come back to the freedom that's in Jesus Christ, but get in order under grace. And so he's teaching them how to eagerly wait for the arrival of the Lord Jesus Christ. So Paul goes on to say in Galatians 5, verse 1, Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty by which Christ has made us free, and do not be entangled again with a yoke of bondage. Paul just did not understand why the Galatians would run back into the bondage of the law right after 
Jesus had done all the work to set them free. Now, by trying to earn their way to heaven on their own, I, I can work hard enough to get there. It was a, it's false belief. All they were doing was wearing themselves out. But they were also falling into what's called religious slavery. And Paul wanted to pull them back out of that. Galatians 5.2. Indeed, I, Paul, say to you that if you become circumcised, Christ will profit you nothing. Okay, here Paul took probably the single most legalistic, the most lawed up practice of well, you got to do this to be saved. He took the most uh, the most forefront thing that they did, the, the, and he wanted to make an example out of it. And what was the one major thing that the law freaks thought was the first and foremost way to be saved? That was circumcision. They said you have to be circumcised or you can't be saved. And so Paul used this prime example to say that if you took up circumcision for the purpose of seeking righteousness, to, if you took up circumcision as, you're, as this is how I'm saved, then he said Christ will no longer be of value to you at all. That means you don't value Christ's finished work on the cross. Paul did not condemn circumcision itself. So don't misunderstand what he's saying here. But he warned that if somebody was going to be circumcised for the purpose of adding their works to be saved, then Paul said that made it apparent that you have not exercised the faith that is necessary for salvation. You know, being circumcised to be saved is a red flag that demonstrates, I don't really believe in what Jesus did on the cross because he finished that work of our salvation there at the cross at his crucifixion. And I'll tell you, Talking about circumcision isn't necessary to be saved. To say that back in those days, those were fighting words back in those days. I mean, probably even still today for some people, because they nope, you got to be circumcised to be saved. That's a very rough-edged thing to say. Galatians 5.3. And I testify again to every man who becomes circumcised that he is a debtor to keep the whole law. So he says it again. It's like, in case some of you didn't get it the first time, <laughs> I'm going to say it a second time. You know, turning to the law just ruins the entire concept of grace. Grace is a gift that you don't earn. It's given. Law is a condemning thing that people felt they had to scrape and climb their way out of it. And so Paul said that if somebody was circumcised to be saved, then that threw them into a totally new problem altogether. If they would have to be supposedly circumcised for just salvation, then they were therefore obligating themselves to having to obey the whole entire law. All of it. It can't be done. Paul said that if you willingly put yourself under any part of the law, then you're going to owe yourself not only to the entire law, but also to the law's full curse. The law condemns. That's what it does. The law says you did something wrong. Now you got to pay for it. You sin. Now you got to die. That's all the law can do. It can't save. It says you messed up. Now you're going down. So Paul said, if you're willingly going to do this law stuff, you're owing yourself to the law. You're submitting to the full curse of it. Why would you want to be under the full curse of the law? Jesus died to take you out of it. And even Jesus' brother, he taught in James 2 verse 10, for whoever shall keep the whole law and yet stumble in one point of it, he is guilty of all of it. That's pretty extreme. So Paul, 
and James, they agreed with each other in their statements that, you know, you're going to become owing to this law. It's just going to take you down. What James said is something like trying to cross the street without getting hit. If you stumble on your way across the the street, you trip on a rock or, or a little rock in the road or something, you might get clipped by a car. And that's dangerous enough. But if you're going to throw yourself under a bus, then you're going to get totally run over by the whole thing. So that's what Paul said. You're going to be a debtor to the law. Now, recall that Paul had said in chapter three, the law is a curse because as sinners, we all violated God's law. So this means the law has to throw us in jail for our crime. We we violated the law. You got to go to jail for it. The law condemns. So Paul said that if you do circumcision as a means for being saved, then you just made yourself a debtor to the whole law. Now you owe everything. You just threw yourself under the bus. Bad enough when somebody else throws you under the bus, but why would you throw yourself under it? Jesus died on the cross to pay our debt for us, to make us free, to give us liberty. But throwing yourself to the law puts you in debt. Galatians 5 verse 4. You have become estranged from Christ. You who attempt to be justified by law, you have fallen from grace. Okay, fallen from grace. Let me just go ahead and hit it because I know a lot of people are thinking it. This is one of those verses that a lot of people, they believe it claims you can lose salvation. Okay, first off, Paul did not say, did not say that they lost their salvation. We got to remember, he has said in previous chapters in this book, I saw you get saved. I saw your conversion. He called them brethren, meaning believers along with him. He was calling them this. But what Paul did say, what he said was that they fell from grace, estranged from Christ. Now, a lot of people go, well, that means you lost salvation. No, it doesn't. What that means is they put themselves in a place where they were not willing to let Jesus operate in their life. Okay. Uh, The King James Version says it like this, you make Christ of no effect to you. I want you to think back through your own personal history, a time when, say, maybe you got mad at your parents and they were telling you, don't do this, and you're, well, I'm going to do what I want, and you went and put yourself in a position where they had no effect in your life. They're still your parents. They still let you live in in the house with them. You're still in the family, so to speak, but you got crossways with them some kind of way or another. You got some bad thinking in your head during a phase of your life that you're going through, and you put yourself in a position where you refuse to let your parents operate in your life. Okay, you fell from them, but you're still in the family. This is a similar thing here. This fall from grace is not a loss of salvation. The Gentile Galatians here that had been saved, they're still in the family. But like I said, Paul had been calling them brethren. But this fall from grace was their turn to the Mosaic law. They were still saved. They were just walking in the wrong direction. They hit a phase and Paul's trying to get them out of this phase. You parents, you've had your kids do the same thing to you. That doesn't mean you disown them. Doesn't mean you kick them out to the street, take their pictures off the wall and forget about them. This is not loss of salvation. That just means they fell there. They need to come back. So if the Galatians had accepted circumcision as necessary for salvation, then they were falling away from grace. It's very much the same as, say, when a believer leaves a church that teaches the real gospel message, but then he goes to another church that teaches salvation is dependent on 
you got to be a church member here. You got to do all these, you got to jump through all these little hoops that we have for you. And they all sound right, but they're not requirements to be saved. They're in a phase that Paul says you're walking the wrong way. The Galatians were doing this kind of thing. They had been saved under Paul's accurate teaching of the real gospel of grace. He saw them get saved, but now they've been pushed into some kind of a false religion by somebody with great title and position. Now you got to do this now. Now you got to be circumcised. And they said, okay, well, we believe it. And Paul's like, no, 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 wait a minute. This is wrong. Come back. Friends, it doesn't mean they lost their salvation. Salvation is a covenant promise. It is sealed. You can read Ephesians 1. It's all right there. Paul was saying, you fell from grace. You need to come back because if you don't, it's going to cause a lot of trouble for you. Now, there's no doubt that falling from grace causes a mess. I'm not saying it doesn't, but they didn't lose salvation over it. You got to keep the context right within the book as the way he's saying it. Don't just pluck a verse and go, oh, you can, be, you can lose salvation. No, it's not what he's saying at all. They fell. They need to come back. Galatians 5.5. 5. For we through the Spirit eagerly wait. There it is. Eagerly we wait. For we through the Spirit eagerly wait for the hope of righteousness by faith. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision avails anything but faith working through love. Okay. He's just reemphasizing the point. You can't earn your way to heaven. And so what do we do? We wait eagerly. Those of us who are saved, we wait eagerly. And I think that is a very critical word here. Eager, he said. Eagerly we are waiting. You know, I look at a lot of people that call themselves Christian, and I'm finding that there's a lot of people. They are just not eager about the Lord. They're not really looking They're not really waiting for the Lord. They're just kind of doing their own thing. They're messing around with their hobbies, whatever they are. Maybe they're scuba diving or they do video games or they stay up late and watch movies, whatever their thing is, and the Lord is nowhere in any of it. That's not what eager looks like. I had a friend tell me, well, Ray, Jesus is your thing, but he's just not my thing. And I said, are you saved? He goes, yeah. I said, whoa, 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 whoa. Jesus is not your thing, but you're saved, right? He's like, yeah. I said, well, imagine, say, Jesus was to come back, and he looks at you, and he says, hey, uh, you're not my thing either. (laughs) Well, you don't want to hear that from him. I mean, if you love somebody, they, they are your thing. I love my wife. She's my thing. I love my church. That's my thing. What you love is going to be your thing. You can't claim to love something and be saved by Jesus, and he's not your thing. But I'm getting that attitude a lot. There's a lot of people, they're just not eager about the Lord. They just don't really care. Yeah, I'm saved, but I don't go to church. I'm saved, but I don't pray. I'm saved, but I don't give to ministry. I'm saved, but I don't help the weak. I don't give to the poor. I don't love anybody. In fact, I hate everybody on the highway. Yeah, but it's just not my thing, but I'm saved. That's not eager. That's not what eager looks like at all. I've got this dog named Rascal, <laughs> best dog I've ever had. When I get ready to go outside of the back door, see, because he knows there's a squirrel out there or maybe two, and he's caught a few squirrels during his time, okay? And he's eager to get out there because he knows that's where the squirrel's at, okay? And he loves it when I go out with him. He wants me to go with him. He doesn't want to go outside by himself. He wants to show off. Look, I'm chasing, I'm hunting, I'm looking for the squirrel, right? If I even look at that back door, his ears perk up, his head comes up. Are, are we going outside? You know, he's wagging his tail. He's eager. 
And when I get to the door, I'll play with him. I'll grab the doorknob and rattle it. Now, I'm not letting you out yet. And he's over. He, he wants to go outside and he gets mad that I'm not letting him out. He's eager. Okay. Friends, that's what eager looks like. And friends, I'm eager about the Lord. I can't wait to be with Jesus. I can't wait. I can't wait until he comes back because that's when I will finally be conformed to all the requirements of God's high standards that I don't have the power to reach on my own. And I will never get to on this earth. I got to get called back. And when I get conformed fully to him, I'm so eager for that. And I can't wait for it because I want to be with him. I love Jesus Christ. He's my Lord. He's my King. I'm very eager for my Lord. And a lot of people just aren't. I remember when one of Houston's ball teams, they were about to win the championship and everybody was all pumped up. Oh, they're going to win, you know. And to be honest, guys, I don't really care about sports at all. I just don't. I mean, I like going to a game. Oh, that's a nice game. Just the excitement. I just don't care about professional sports. But everybody was, oh, can, can you believe Houston's going to take it all this year? And I'm just like, yeah, so what? I mean, I really don't care. <laughs> and people were shocked at me. Don't you care? This is Houston. You live here. I'm like, I, I really, I could care less. I just don't. I was like, nah, I, I've I got better things to do. And you know, that's how some people are about the Lord Jesus Christ. They just don't care. And friends, do you realize that at any time Jesus could come back and there's no prophecy that has to happen before he returns. He could come and take us now. Or if anything, if he doesn't do the grand taking of everybody, your day, your own personal day could be today or tomorrow. You may not have as much time left as you think. And so if you have an attitude about Jesus, yeah, well, you know, okay, whatever, but I got better things to do. Paul said that real believers through the Holy Spirit working through faith, they are eagerly waiting for the one they love, Jesus Christ. They eagerly wait. It, uh, friends, you need to be eager about the Lord. I'm telling you, the, the word of God, the walk with Christ, Christianity is so exciting. I think it was astronaut Charlie Duke of one of the Apollo missions. He said his walk on the moon was a wonderful adventure, but his walk with Jesus lasts forever. And he's more excited about his walk with Christ than he, he is about when he walked on the moon. <laughs> now, I just don't see a lot of love these days for the Lord, the eagerness. I, what I see today is a lot of cold hatred and division based on everything from uh, political party lines to whether Star Wars is better than Star Trek or something. There's not many of the faithful, eager people looking for Jesus through their faith. Now, let me put it like this. If you're not eager about Jesus' return, then you should consider the great probability that you do not have the Holy Spirit indwelling you for salvation like you think you have. Because the Holy Spirit of God is the one that will put that eagerness into you. So if you're not eager about the Lord, you need to consider you may not be saved like you think you are. You don't have a love for Christ. He's not your thing. Maybe you need to get right with the Lord quickly. So now Paul will start to address how the law is fulfilled. He never said that God's law is useless. If you remember my my prior study in a chapter or two before, remember my wet paint sign illustration. The sign is put there to warn you not to sit on the park bench. It tells you it is wrong to do this. Do not sit here. It does not let you have rest on that bench. 
But from the wet paint sign on that bench, it does tell you you need to look for some peace and rest somewhere else. The same with the law here. Don't do this. Don't do that. It's bad for you to do this. That's sin, but it will teach you to look for your rest in Messiah Jesus elsewhere. It can't save you, but it will point you to grace. So the law is not useless, but if it's not, then how is it fulfilled? Galatians 5 verse 7. You ran well. Who hindered you from obeying the truth? This persuasion does not come from him who calls you. A little leaven leavens the whole lump. I have confidence in you, in the Lord, that you will have no other mind, but he who troubles you shall bear his judgment, whoever he is. Friends, you can't run well without the Holy Spirit enabling you to do it. You just can't do it on your own. But somebody got in the way of their run. The Galatians had a good run. They ran well. Somebody jumped in the way. Now, believe it or not, there was once a time when I ran in races. And I uh, one time I ran a five-mile and I placed first in my age group. That was pretty cool. I never did marathons exactly, but I've, I've, I used to could run. I could run all day. It was great. I remember, though, I, I was in a run one time. There were people lined up on both sides of the street. They were cheering us on. And some kid decided to cross the road right when I got there. And you could say that he hindered my run. <laughs> he darted. This kid darted right out in front of me. And bam. And by the time I got myself together, 15 people had passed me up. So Paul asked the Galatians to identify who hindered your run. Who was it that got in your way and caused you to fall from the grace that we taught you? Paul said they fell from grace. That did not mean they lost their salvation. He's saying you're still in the race. Get up and run again. Friends, what I'm trying to say is that that kid that darted in front of me, I got knocked down. I lost a few places in the race, but I did get up and run again. It didn't mean I was disqualified and counted out and gone. Even I got back up and finished the race. So Paul urged the Galatians, get back and run again. But he said a little leaven leavens the whole lump. What does that mean? When you're working with bread dough and you get just a little bit of yeast in that dough, it will start to eat its way through all of it. Now, in the Bible, leaven was symbolic of sin. And so the illustration here is that when just a little pinch of sin gets into a group, it eats its way through all of it. Paul was saying something sinful got into your church, Galatians, and it has eaten its way into every one of you. And so he goes on to further that this persuasion, this behavior they were doing, this sin, that did not come from the Lord. The Lord God did not put that there. So since the Lord didn't do it, then you need to identify who did, who hindered you. The Lord God did not do this. Paul didn't know who it was, but whoever it was that pushed false religion on these Galatians, you got to be circumcised to be saved. You got to work to be saved, all this false stuff. They're going to get in trouble for doing it. They were going to have their own judgment that's going to fall on them, whoever it is. And friends, if judgment falls on somebody, you don't want to be nowhere near them. If Jesus would come back and somebody would stand there and look at Jesus and say, you're not my thing. I'm sorry. I don't want to be standing anywhere near you when you say that. Okay. Paul was saying the same with whoever this guy was that lied to them about how to be saved. He goes, you need to identify who was it that messed you up. You get away from this guy. Okay. So get away from him. When the judgment hits, you need to be far away from him as you can be.
you for listening to Set for Life. We hope you can join us next time, unless Jesus returns for us first. Set for Life is the radio ministry of Pastor Ray Jensen. We invite you to subscribe to our podcast at setforliferadio.com. Hi, this is Ray Jensen. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to encourage you in God's Word. If the Bible doesn't excite you, then you're not reading it. I want you to remember that you are not worthless. You are priceless. Messiah Jesus died on the cross to redeem you so that you can be set for life. You'll be set for life.